everyone uh, to our second podcast of the IEEE PELS TC10 podcast series. So uh, we started our podcast series with the first one a few months ago. And now I'm very happy that uh, Sapem and I are able to have a second second podcast contribution, which is uh, yeah, based on a, on a student team. And uh, yeah, Sapem, maybe you can introduce a few of our, our speakers today. Yes. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, welcome, everyone, to the second podcast. So today we have Marco and Lazar from the Edge Bridges team, uh, which is from the School of Electrical Engineering, University of Belgrade. Uh, so they were the winners of IFEC 2020, and today we second place, second place with University of Taiwan, shared with University of Taiwan. Okay, so yeah, so they were in the second place uh, for IFEC 2020, and today we assemble here for uh, uh, to discuss their prototype and uh, their experience, basically how it was uh, when. Uh, I've, I mean, because they had to go through various rounds of evaluation. So what was their overall experience? So with that, uh, yeah, maybe uh, you can take turns in answering. Uh, uh, that's uh, that's totally up to you. So uh, I would say it was a lot of work, as we can see, and uh, you came out uh, nicely with the results. But what motivated you and your team members to participate in a competition in addition to your uh, ongoing studies or even research? Well, the, the biggest motivation, I think, is to gain some uh, practical experiences during our studies and to do to do it in, in a topic that is not easily accessible in our city. For example, the IEEE IFETS competition from 2019 was to develop an electrical bike, a drive for an electrical bike. And uh, I remember when I was uh, listening about the stories that that team had experienced during the development of that electrical bike, that, uh, it, it sounded like something fun to do, uh, opportunity to learn a lot and to use multiple uh, subjects that we studied during our studies of electrical engineering. Uh, the topic that our uh, generation had to develop was uh, a nanosatellite power system. And that's also something that is hard to, uh, an activity that's hard to find, practical activity that's hard to find in our city, especially during our studies. So uh, the fact that we can, do, we can think about that topic, it was attractive to me and I believe to Lazar. And also, uh, the atmosphere in our laboratory and th the fact that we can access it whenever we want to use whatever we find uh, was a, a great uh, motivator for us to work. It, it's kind of an access to laboratory for us in our city is a, 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 a huge uh, motivation, I think. Okay, so that means uh, that there is each year a team of uh, your school participating in the IFEC. Yeah. So there is so there is uh, already a history because I was wondering how you learned about uh, the IFEC and uh, how you yeah how you heard about it and 
how does it happen that your team was uh, set up and uh... so uh, every our team has one section of a team which is uh, responsible for marketing and uh, public relationships and previous teams from 2019 uh, did the uh, marketing of their team or their successes and basically we learned about it, uh, about that from them and that motivated us to com compete in 2020. So that's great. So that is uh, self-growing from one year over yes. to the next year and so on. So that means uh, it helps a lot to, to make uh, the team result much better than just starting on the, on the playing field. Yeah, and uh, older team members guide us in the beginning with technical uh, solutions they had, and that helped us a lot in our competition. It's more like that playing there. Okay, so uh, was there further support uh, you got, um, probably, or sponsors? Um, I guess it is uh, something which helps a lot as well. Uh, most of funds we need to fund our team are also responsibility of our subsection of uh, uh, public relations and uh, FRPR team, we call it that way. Uh, they reach out to industry and companies and give us the, uh, and they give us the funds needed to go to the competitions and develop our prototype. Okay, uh, it sounds like, uh, I mean, it sounds not that your team was just uh, five or six people. It sounds yeah. like a, a real big team. Yeah, it was about uh, 15 to 20 people. Okay. All right. Wow. That's uh, amazing. So, I mean, uh, since you were, uh, I guess, 15 to 20 members, how was the organization decided? Uh, so who were responsible for the technical and then you had uh, also people looking after marketing and sponsors. So how was the hierarchy here? Uh, actually, there was no uh, no strict hierarchy involved in our team. Uh, everything was uh, democratically based, to say so. <laughs> okay, okay. And uh, we are organizing some uh, sub-teams like uh, hardware, software, PCB, and marketing and public relationships. Okay. Okay. So and, when, uh, but uh, no team is distinct. Uh, everyone do others' jobs. And blink, uh, yeah. and, and when someone blinks, someone else, we kind of that's when you see how it works. So we couldn't hear you. Uh, Mark, can you yeah, repeat? We can't hear you. Ah. Ah. So, uh, um, we communicate between teams when something fails or doesn't work or should be changed and adapted. And uh, most of the time, we just uh, using de simple debates, we settle. There is no hierarchy. There is no one person that decides. It's more like certain problems, dialogues, and use that solution. Get the work done. Very focused. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I think because when we are talking about, uh, you of course started with a lot of uh, management and PR, and then as uh, you advance into the rounds of IFEC, uh, I am not sure how many rounds were there, but I think there were different modes of evaluation for each round. So can you also tell us more about how your prototype was evaluated across different rounds uh, and then uh, before, of course, when you were de uh, declared as winners? Yeah, well, uh, the first phase was to write a proposal. Uh, it, it's like uh, we write a short uh, PDF document in which we state the topology that we're going to use, the uh, elements that we're going to use, the uh, estimated efficiency of the system, how we plan to control it, and so on. And we uh, send that proposal, and it gets evaluated between other universities and ours. It gets ranked. And I think around 12 universities out of 50 were chosen to the second, to another round. Another one, another round was supposed to be uh, organized in New Orleans in uh, an IEEE, I think, uh, Congress. But uh, due to COVID, it was postponed and it was an online evaluation. In that online evaluation, we did uh, a video representation of our achievements. We, during that evaluation, we already developed a second prototype. Uh, we showed its uh, capabilities, its uh, ripples, its... Uh, Efficiency. Uh, we, we showed it works in every mode that was supposed to. It was supposed to work uh, for a nanosatellite power system. Uh, during that, uh, during that segment, out of uh, ten teams, eight were chosen, and then there was another uh, video uh, phase of evaluation from which four teams were chosen in a set, in a similar evaluation method. And then uh, four prototypes were tested here in Derma, uh, at your uh, university in Derma. Derma. Yep. Yeah. And you know how the test went. We, we, we had 15 minutes for our test to be, uh, for, for our nanosatellite power system to be tested at full uh, power input and power outputs in different mode of operation. And it successfully worked. And I think all other universities also achieved that their system worked. And the only differentiating factors were efficiency, volume, and so on. Okay, interesting. So when we are talking about this uh, prototype that you made for the nanosatellite uh, power system, uh, what were the main uh, technical challenges for your team? Uh, because uh, IFEC, uh, they of course came out with some design requirements or uh, you know some specifications and that they laid out. Uh, there were some boundaries, of course. So, what were the main technical challenges? Well, probably the main technical challenge was the volume and the mass. When you think that you need to launch something into space, the first thing you you can never tolerate is another gram in your system. Uh, I think the restraint was that our system cannot be heavier than 200 grams. And our system was at the end, I think 55 grams, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 48, I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, and it makes sense. If you want to launch something into space, every gram is, I think, 
multiple thousands of dollars and you want your system to be as small as it can get. Uh, after uh, weight, you need to think and consider volume. And after that, it's efficiency and its ability to turn on by itself. When, when it launches into space, the power system is critical to start working and to remain in a working phase and not get uh, destroyed by something yeah. unexpected. So that's so, a challenge. So if we think about uh, space requirements, another requirement, I think it, it wasn't on the list, is uh, reliability. Uh, have you thought about that as well? So if you if you go to, to Denmark on the test bench, You, you must be sure that it works for at least 15 minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we thought, uh, actually we uh, thought about uh, more things that it's going to be tested uh, because uh, in the beginning, uh, testing phase was not uh, 100% clear to us. So we thought, think, What about when the sun went out? What about if we get in, if we discharge all battery and uh, we don't uh, have uh, enough from the solar panels? Is there any options to go into low power mode or something like that? Will the system when it dies uh, restart when sun shines again? Such questions uh, were, were challenges. Uh, you can, uh, can, Marco, can, we can, missed the last part. Uh, yeah. uh, when the sun dies, when the battery dies, something happens. Will the system turn on after the sun shines again? For example, those are the questions that we asked ourselves. Those, those things I think were not tested, but we but uh, we tested those uh, scenarios. So that means uh, that you engineered uh, your your own requirements, which which went very much further than the ones. Uh, yeah, set up by the by the by the challenge. Yeah, but it wasn't us wanting to go very much beyond. It was uh, uh, during the development we already thought about it. I think in the first two or one or two months we already thought about those uh, scenarios and we tested them because we thought that maybe not in this phase that will be tested, but in the next one it might get tested. So we tried to have some. Uh, basic logical questions about the operation of the system that need to be solved. And on top of that, anything that happens, uh, anything that gets requested in further phases, we will adapt. That so that, that, that means that means not every requirement was uh, clear right uh, at the beginning, so that the requirements grow over time with the different phases of the challenge. Well, I think in previous competitions they did, but in, in our hours, Uh, I, when I say previous comp competitions, I think if it's 2019, for example, I think there were more uh, uh, there were more and more requirements in every other phase for the electrical bike. I think, but for our system, I think that there was not much uh, yeah. added added technical challenges. But, but you expected, which which helped in the end, I guess. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's more more than in real life, so. <laughs> The requirements grow with the project progress. So, yeah. So, actually, I have a follow-up question here uh, because since you are talking about the requirements, uh, which were, uh, yeah, clear in 2019, but it was not so clear in 2020. So, was it because of the fact that uh, you know uh, the labs were closed and everything? 
due to COVID. And uh, I think there was one round of evaluation which should have been there in APEC as yes. well in New Orleans. So, I mean, do you think that's why the requirements were lenient this time for your... Okay. Yeah, I think so, yes. I think that they were lenient because in a previous competition, you could go to Denmark and uh, test your uh, device there. Now you must send your device, which must work 100% there. There is no place for mistake, uh, some mild tweaking and so on. So I think that was the reason why the they put more... Uh, they put la less uh, constraints. Constraints on in our year. Okay. I mean, it's in, in any case a heavy burden you have to had to tackle. I mean, <laughs> send it somewhere, get it evaluated. I mean, yeah. it was over, I guess, over the time when you were in the design phase, the same restrictions you had to apply. I mean, how, how did you manage that? And especially during COVID, actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, uh, here in Serbia, we don't uh, respect every rule. So when when COVID hit, it, quite, it was kind of like a Serbian challenge. You know, work on something even though you're forbidden to do it. So we we we, we just we even tested outside of our lab at, at a certain point. Uh, but you know, so the hidden garage, yeah, yeah, in a garage, in a sterile garage with masks on. All right, so I think uh, you learned a lot from this, but uh, then I would say, did you learn anything from the IFEC competition uh, as a whole? Uh, I mean, your team as a whole, any takeaways from IFEC? in particular? Well, generally, uh, a lot of technical knowledge was uh, introduced to us in uh, this competition and during this competition. The most notable things is actually practical knowledge because in our faculty there is no better place to learn uh, practical knowledge than this team in this competition, I believe. Hmm. So in the I, I agree with that. And I think that uh, this type of, uh, this form or method of studying is very, very, very good. And I think that if our university chose to make one year master's program that is closely uh, meant to mimic this kind of competition and work, I think it would be beneficial for education of electrical engineers. And uh, who, sh who should participate in the competition? So it doesn't need to be a competition. It, it, it can just resemble this method. It can be a challenge stated by the university uh, for students to make teams of five or 10 and to try to solve that problem. And they don't need to listen to uh, exams. They don't need to pass pass any other topics the project is hard enough and it has other topics within it that need to get solved that it can be a, a, a project challenging enough 
for them to need to understand other topics and to learn from. And I think that some form of master's degrees in our universities uh, would be worse than this hypothetical uh, system of education in a master's program, for example. Okay, so uh, yeah, I also like the idea because this format can be very useful for definitely for master projects. Uh, and we are also in our university planning to have something like this. So yeah, and, and, I, I agree with you. Yeah, and also uh, the fact that it was an international uh, competition, I think was good because you, you, you get to see how other uh, universities think, how their design method looks you see how people from china do it how people from the us do it from brazil from germany from india it's it's i think very 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 uh, interesting to see that i was always always wondering how that looks like and now that we have internet i think it it could be easier and it could be beneficial for for multiple universities to do that i think i don't know. Can you tell us a little bit more about your impressions? I mean, if you say that's, that's a very interesting fact, if you see that there is a difference between the yeah, different countries. Of course. Uh, um, I, I think there's a different, there was a different approach uh, you could see from university to university. Some were very mathematical and abstract. Some were very non-mathematical and non-abstract, kind of uh, linking some... Uh, subsystems together um, some were less prepared more prepared some had a, a better laboratory experience some had worse laboratory experience some universities had even worse laboratory experience than us that was i i was shocked by that because i i know how uh, how how small a scientific budget in our country is it's so so it was a, a lot of things could be seen that would not be seen by me otherwise Okay. Okay. So, uh, which which team uh, out of all of them? I mean, impressed you the most? I mean, irrespective of who was the winner. I mean, or you felt that they could have been the winners. I mean, you don't have to name them or anything, but could just maybe put out the. Well, I'm impressed by Zhejiang University and also impressed by an Indian University of Kanpur, ETR Kanpur. They, they IIT impressed. Kanpur. Yeah. yeah. And, and also I was impressed by uh, the Taiwan University. But if I had to list them in an order, it would be Zhejiang Kanpur and then Taiwan. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, coming back more to uh, some of the technical aspects now. So you were also uh, focusing more on protection as well. And that plays a key role uh, when you are designing a prototype. Uh, so what were some of the protection-based challenges for your prototype? And I can see that you had put a lot of over voltage, over current and all these things. But what are some of the challenges that you faced there? Uh, well, first challenges was uh, to fulfill the competition demands. So over voltage and over current protection was not so big of a challenge. But uh, then we came to think uh, more about uh, some other things like uh, battery overcharging. So we all know that battery overcharging could be devastating in nanosatellite case and battery 
discharging completely is also not a good thing in, when you have it in a space. So that basically means uh, rendering your nanosatellite useless when you pay so much price for going up in space. Uh, and actually, one more thing was challenging. That was uh, because we tested on uh, real PV panels. We didn't have a PV panel simulator. Uh, we uh, we have experienced a phenomenon when one panel was not lighting up and other were in full uh, sunlight. We experienced that uh, current went back to the dark panel, so we added a protection there also. Okay. So have you also tested the reliability of your protection uh, or something like that in case of, you know, these extreme conditions when something was, uh, you know, battery was fully charged or all those things? Uh, well, we tested that, but not extensively because that was not in the competition test. Lastly, we focused just on the competition test and what will be tested in Denmark. Why Marco, can you come come closer to yeah, the mic? But I think we did have some tests for. Uh, yeah, we're yeah, we we did have tests, and we did test uh, um, battery stop stopping working, or a lot of, a high current getting into the battery or from the battery, and then trying to shut the system off. And we did make device uh, separate tests for every converter when it gets a high current in or out. And we tested it uh, by building a circuit that would test that certain scenario with a power generator and a resistor or something like that. But as the kind of uh, competition progressed, we focused on the things that would happen. And finally, we just tested our system multiple times in, in the three scenarios that it had to work in. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. So since uh, we can now talk more about the Powertronic Society, which conducted this competition. So would you imagine getting involved in, uh, you know, more of these activities or, I mean, if you plan to do so, then how have you considered anything here? Any of the design challenges by Powertronic Society? Well, I think we are not very aware of other competitions like this. Uh, okay. Okay, that means uh, there is a need that the Power Electronic Society is talking a little bit more about what what's actually uh, yeah what we are actually doing and uh, how students can be involved into that. So that seems that there is something growing over time within your school and uh, now it's there but uh, there is a missing link to the to the rest of it right uh, i don't really understand the question i think yeah more to the what what the society is doing so you you have i mean there was a team somewhere back in time started the, the competition at your school and then it, yeah there is a team uh, year after year. Are you year. talking about uh, IEEE society or society in our... Yeah, there's a, there's no, no, the IEEE power electronic IEEE society. IEEE power electronic society, yeah. 
so I don't. I think we don't have enough links with IEEE Power Society in our university. Uh, I cannot tell you more about this because we don't know. Well, it's not on top of our minds. What are the challenges of the IEEE or our society? I think, and I, I don't know how. I'm guessing that there's there's some uh, literature we should read about and then understand what are the topics that, that could be solved. And I don't I don't think that there is uh, too much literature. Uh -huh, <laughs> it's more yeah. I mean as it uh, since it's a society you can uh, yeah can be engaged into the society and uh, move it forward even by your own. It's just something uh, yeah get involved and uh, start some activities. And um, if we are at this point. I would think it's an interesting question if you if you have uh, wishful thinking from your side. What what should uh, Power Electronics Society bring to you or to your school or to your team members that it makes it interesting to get more involved? I mean, this is now you. I got that the IFAC was pretty valuable for you, but uh, is there anything for wishful thinking? Well. Um for one thing, IFET should not cancel. <laughs> it should not stop working. I think it should continue. And if it continues, that would be a good thing. Um, if it, if it uh, cooperates with our university in some other forms of challenges for, uh, I don't know, other, other programs, I think it would be also good. Uh, I, I, it's a good question, but I would need to think a lot about it to give a good answer, I think. And I, 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 I agree, our university as a whole should cooperate more with other universities and other, other universities should cooperate with University of Belgrade uh, more. There is a lot of enthusiasm here and it would be great if there were more some societies that were just willing to uh, hear us out, talk with us, give us any form of advice and, and any form of challenges. It would be great because there's there are some segments of our university and even technical university some some students some professors some assistants that would uh, gladly accept any advice any encouragement any form of challenge any form of cooperation. Okay, yeah, I, I just uh, take this away and that we we should definitely think. Uh, how to spread yeah, the information more into the regions. I think that's a very important thing. And there seems to be a lack of this. So, I mean, there are already information available, but you need to know that, that these are there. And uh, it seems to be not self, yeah, it, it does not find its way on its own. Yeah, Kevin, I can maybe tune in to what Minji has been trying to do here as well. Uh, I think uh, you can speak a bit about that, the student uh, design challenge. Uh, yeah, there is a, from from the, so within the Power Electronics Society in IEEE, there are uh, technical activities which are um, guided or which are held by the technical committees. And you will find the information on the Power Electronics Society website. So there you can see it's, uh, I think already 12 technical committees on different topics. And uh, two of these um, technical committees, one is a very uh, old one. Uh, it's a technical committee six on emerging uh, 
power uh, on emerging topics in power electronics. So they they held uh, or they have each year on the uh, ECCE conference. Um, they have a student student demo where uh, based on hardware where they show some interesting hardware projects based on research. It's a more free competition, so you will not get a get a topic and have to do it or have to solve it. This more free thing where you can just yeah, apply with your project to it. I mean, you can group together, create a project, and then you can submit it to to the to this competition. And uh, we, as a technical committee, ten, which is a new one and focused on new design methodologies for power electronics, we added a second track to this uh, comp competition and uh, to this uh, demo, and. Uh, we, which is more focused on the software side. So the design methods, which is more or less based on software, but it can even be on, I don't know, measurement and so on and so forth. Um, hardware in the loop simulations, a bunch of more things uh, so that the whole framework is, um, yeah. So we did it this year for the first time. Uh, the, sub, the due date for the submission was in July and uh, it will be, there will be another one next year at the same time so and uh the, the i i'm not sure i think the best three teams for each track are invited to participate in into the uh conference i'm not sure about that um there is uh minji is more our expert on that topic but uh yeah there is an invitation where where the project itself will be presented on, on the conference and uh, you can participate on the conference for a full week and uh, see what's going on in the field of power electronics. I think that's probably something as well of interest. Yeah. We, we currently uh, yeah, have first ideas for further competitions or challenges we can start. And um, maybe it's a good idea to, if you're interested in that, maybe it's a good idea to involve you into, into that. So that's not only from so that that it's i mean you already tackled uh, successfully a challenge so that means uh, yeah if we should ask people how this should be then you are the right ones to talk about or to talk with yeah, if you're interested there are definitely more competitions in a form like this on other topics not just power electronics other electrical engineering things would be a much beneficial for education in general yeah. well I, that's the best i think method of spreading uh, great technical knowledge for students around the world that sometimes even feel not that very enthusiastic about the fact that they uh, have not no, no one to talk to about that certain topic or nobody to compare to or nobody to learn from from other universities and so on when you when when you have for example when we had this online demonstration just the fact that we saw other students think and how they think and if they made a mistake where they made a mistake or if we made a mistake where we made a mistake is is a huge value and it was just a a, a conference that was held digitally so it's possible to repeat it but how to repeat it is a good question and how to test it and which prototypes to use and with met which methods to use. Do you do four uh, phases of kind of demonstration with video and then send a prototype or do you send a prototype 
each phase or something like that. That those are good questions for how to organize uh, a successful I think, student competition. And if if your method is good, you will probably surprise yourself by universities you never heard of having good results or interesting results and interesting work. What would you tell students who argue? How should I do that uh, in addition to my studies? Well, I mean, <laughs> skip the studies. <laughs> no joke. Uh, I would tell them that yes, it can be hard. Yes, you must put some sacrifice, but in the end, it will be worth it because the amount of technical knowledge you get. Uh, in comparison with other students which didn't compete in this competition is tremendous. Yeah. I can see the tremendous difference between me and some uh, other colleagues who didn't have that kind of practical knowledge. Yeah. Our professor said that spending a year in a lab is like spending six years in a library or more. You, you, you just learn more in a day than in months. And you can see it when you talk with your colleagues, when you just kind of say something from nowhere. And, and the nowhere is the lab where, where you saw it. And you get, you kind of uh, evolve a different outlook on technical matters. And you, you gain a kind of a slight, um, you distance yourself slightly from your professors, their authorities, and so on. You just kind of see them in a different way after some months in the lab. You don't even ask them some, a certain type of questions where you kind of feel that your experience is enough for you to kind of help you pick which solutions might work. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. So, um, I mean, you were talking about, you know, having the practical experience that counts a lot when it uh, amounts to talking about the technical knowledge. So when, while you were on uh, with this prototype, while you were working on it, so did, you, did any other topics came into your mind which will have a massive impact on the design further on? I mean, let's say maybe artificial intelligence, could that have helped in uh, you know uh, providing better results or something else could that have mattered to you in the concept of artificial intelligence uh, i don't know i think that uh, with uh, technology right now i think that human is that human now is more efficient than artificial intelligence in designing this kind of prototypes. For that uh, new technologies, I think only something like data analysis, data scrambling, going through thousands of different transistors and topology, they may be calculating something like efficiency losses and yeah, but uh, in general, I don't think that artificial intelligence is now advanced enough to uh, change humans in this kind of engineering work. 
Okay, uh, my question was more because uh, the industry has, uh, you know, acknowledged the need of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning for, uh, you know, the design of powertronic circuits in the future. So do you think, uh, you know, that could create a big difference when, because you are also, uh, you know, you will be looking out for jobs or something like that. So later on, do you think that will make a big difference or do you think uh, that is sufficient for now, uh, just the lab experience for you? Uh, well, in the end, I'm not such kind of expert of artificial intelligence in power electronics, but I don't believe that it will create, uh, that it will destroy jobs for power electronics engineers. And in the end, you need to test that prototype and with artificial, artificial intelligence cannot do that. It can only maybe help you with some kind of design or things like that. But in the end, uh, human factor is cannot be avoided. That is my opinion. Yes, totally agree. Yes. Okay. So maybe maybe just another question. It's a little bit out of uh, out of it uh, out of the box here. But um, I mean, you you created a system for a nano satellite, a power system. Have you considered to form a team to send it with a nano satellite to space? Yes, yes, of course, of course we did. We even and the, the launch lo launch will be uh, two months down the road. No, no, no. But, but we, I, um, I, for example, had some nights when I kind of searched the internet for uh, master thesis in different segments of nano satellites and kind of trying to find enough. Uh, uh, find each segment that is needed for an entire satellite, for example, an antenna, uh, data system for communicating with other topics, um, nanosatellite power system. Uh, even I even found a master's thesis, which type of rocket is good to launch a nanosatellite. Uh, there was one university, I think, in Norway that launched a nanosatellite. So I found all of their master's thesis and kind of uh, went through it, how, how the circuits look, how they launched it and so on. They, I think, cooperated with Japan. Japan launched their nanosatellite. And it was, in, I think, 2006 or seven. So, but we didn't. We did an evaluation of approximate costs of launching. Yeah, I think, I think we did. And I can't remember, but I think we did. A very surpass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't. You know, I mean, uh, I don't see how we could do it, but maybe. I mean, I don't see how we could pay for it. Maybe. And it's also, it's a, it's a huge engineering, I think, effort for uh, for development of different subsegments of nano satellite. You practically need all of electrical engineering uh, knowledge. Not all, but most of it, I think. Yeah, so um, if I remember right, so I was uh, studying at the Technical University in uh, Braunschweig in Germany. So, and I think there was a, a student group which is heading to uh, send nanosatellites to space. And uh, I guess it is uh, it is something you you will find on on several uh, other universities as well. Probably that's something. Um, where you should search for and get connected. And that's maybe an, an easy way to send, send your power system to space. 
Yeah, I, I think I uh, Google some uh, countries that send uh, your satellites as kind of loads. I think there's one in South America that does it. I think also some countries also do it. But I, that's more like science fiction for us. Well, well, it's not. It's not science fiction. I think if if any anybody from Belgrade University launches anything in space, it will probably be a nanosatellite. Or a, or, or, or a smaller type of satellite. Maybe one day some younger generation will launch their satellites and I will call them and tell them, I congratulate you. You are my brother <laughs> very well. But I don't, I don't think that will be us. Because you don't have the time or you, you have other projects to, to, to be done or... I mean, the only thing you need to do is get connected to people who are anyway on its way to to launch a system. Yeah, but we have only a, a, a power system. One segment. Yeah, yeah. We need four more segments. I, I mean, we can we can launch an MP3 player that plays Serbian music to space, but that's the only that, that's the only thing that we could do simply. I mean, we need to if it it needs to do something fancy. We can just send. Random. I mean, we could send random stuff and even be proud of it, but maybe we would add something more, a layer more on top of it. Maybe some some good sensors for astronomy or something like that, or, or biological experiments. Can come from others. Yeah, yeah. That that work could come from others. Well, our system is up for the taking. It's in this university's laboratory. Anybody who is interested <laughs> could access it, and we will even send our designs. If yeah. no, no problem. To to anybody in Belgrade University, they can call us. We will talk with them. Maybe this podcast will be a good idea for the networking opportunity. People, contact us. My mail is. I, I will. I will send my mail. <laughs> Okay. In the description. Okay. 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 I guess. Uh, yeah. Then uh, we wrap up uh, our discussions. So thank you so much, uh, Marco and Lazar, once again. Yeah.